You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs, and the only podcast of its kind. Holla back to Jay Hill Marketing and Creative Services for loving us enough to sponsor us. And we are in perpetual celebration over its new to you editing house division bookmark. Bookmark enables you to keep your copyrights when you write a book without sacrificing a wit of professional execution and all at a discount. Check out jhillmark.com slash bookmark for more info on writing your book. You know you want to. I'm doing another solo podcast today because my guest fell through at the last minute, but I think this topic is timely, so it all works out. I don't know if it's the 2020 shift or what, but the tectonic plates of life are surely shifting under me lately. And I am hearing this from a ton of other people as well. Maybe it's the necessity of the clarity of vision coming into play and the universe just kicking out what needs to go down. I'm not quite sure. But preceding all of this, I did make a declaration this year, and that was to double down on value and to focus less on monetization. I want to make a splash that I can feel great about to provide the worth people are hungry for. I know you want to do the same thing. So lots of changes. And when that happens on such a deep level, then you get a little uprooted. You might even lose faith in yourself. So this topic is singing out to me. We are ready for it. I'm going to talk about the 11 ways to regain faith in yourself. And I hope if you're struggling in this area that this episode will help you to believe in yourself even more than usual. I originally blogged about this topic for the Good Men Project probably a couple of years ago, and then I used that blog with a few edits in my book, Six Success. It bears revisiting from time to time to reestablish our roots and where we want to go. We need to wake up on our paths and get in touch with the goals we are working on. And as you continue to operate your business, you will find that you need to do this more and more. Business has a way of being operated out of desperation with little thought behind it. So don't lose sight of what you really want to accomplish, as well as the fact that you can do anything. Let's say it again. You can do anything. You can reinvent yourself. Pull the plug. You don't want the business anymore? Go ahead and shut it down. You get to do that. You can juggle multiple businesses, embark on additional education, and become an expert in anything you absolutely want to become an expert in. You can introduce a new business model or some sort of innovation into the marketplace. It's your choice in this life. And you get the option to make new choices every single day. That is the definition of magic. Besides, 11 is a lucky number. And that's what we're talking about, 11 ways to regain faith in yourself today. 11 is supposed to be the universe talking to you and reaffirming for you what you need validated. So a lot of times we'll see 11-11 and maybe you'll even see 
some Facebook pages that talk about that and the meaning of that. That's how I, I, I've known that is the definition. If I'm struggling with something, if I need reinforcement, confirmation, validation, whatever it is, and I see 1111 when I'm thinking about something in particular, reaching a goal, then I, then I feel pretty good. I'm like, hey, the universe is talking to me. It's probably going to happen. Or I knew that. I knew that, but now I feel better. Let's get started. The number one way to regain faith in yourself, and this is not in any order of priority, but we're just starting with number one, is to get into the feeling groove. So what does that mean? Not to deny your emotions. You don't want to deny your emotions. You don't want to just go ahead and pave over them. Hurl bottles at a cement wall, crush cans, get your hands on an old phone book and tear it apart. Try to do that, by the way. It's nearly impossible. There is a strategic way to accomplish it. It has to do with science. Check it out. Look it up if you can even find a phone book now. You want to compartmentalize and confine your angst to canvas through painting. Fill a blank page. If you're sad, commit to being the best pathetic lump, wallow under the covers, watch movies that play your heartstrings like a harp, listen to our song on repeat, whatever that song is, and weep with pride and wonder. Whatever you're feeling, welcome it into your body to wring its contents out so you can be done with it. Finish your emotion. So many times we don't finish our emotions. And maybe this comes from when you were a kid. Some of you can relate to this. When you were a kid and you got upset and you started crying and somebody said, well, I'll give you something to cry about. Or you better turn it off. That's what I'd always get. You better knock it off or turn that off. All right, I got to find the switch for this thing. I don't know where it is. It's not like I hit the switch and then I started crying. Like I need to, you got to finish it. Finish it however long it takes. And when I say however long it takes, I mean like feel it, but don't let your emotions control you. And we talked about that on an earlier episode. Feel it, don't let your emotions control you. I'm sure we talked about that on multiple episodes. Don't deny your feelings. Don't let them control you. Which feeds directly into item number two, the second way to regain faith in yourself is put a time limit on your grieving. What I tell myself is I'm going to wade in the worst of it for two days. Sometimes I go three days. I'm not going to lie. Anything longer than probably three days maximum, you are wasting time getting it on. You are wallowing in it. It's not serving you. It's not serving you. I'm not talking about losing somebody, by the way. I'm not talking about losing somebody super, super close to you. You know, I'm also not talking about, in this past probably month, I learned about two classmates who died, and um, so that stays with me. I was close to one. I wasn't really that close to the other, but I remember she was very, very, very sweet. It didn't matter who you were in life. She always had a smile for you. And the one person I was close to, I spent a lot of time with him, so... You know, I have to get on with my life, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to allow myself to feel things. If you're losing 
an immediate member of your family or somebody else that you're very close to, super close friend, whatever it is, obviously that takes on a different turn, but you still need to be able to live at some point. You don't want to lose everything in your life because you're not managing your grieving. So if it's a situation where it's a setback in your business, for example, and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Maybe you don't have a lot of business coming in. Maybe you've been rejected for sales. Maybe you're in a slump, whatever it is. So go ahead and feel it, but don't live there. Dwelling in the belly of sadness or even fury is not living at all. If you can't move on after two weeks, please talk to a counselor or therapist and they'll assist you in developing new to-dos to help you move past it. Sometimes these things, losses can be a precursor to depression that can absolutely take us under. So we need to understand the inner mechanisms of our mind. We need to be able to give our minds the tools that are needed to move forward so that we don't get stuck. And that's critical. Number three, understand you are not predictable. You are going to feel what you are going to feel when you feel it. And not just emotionally either, especially if you're dealing with a chronic illness or disability. And especially if that illness or disability tends to misbehave when you're going through an emotional minefield. Your emotions will bring with them some major physical symptoms that they're going to have to be dealt with. I mean, that's the end-all, be-all of it. You're going to have to feel them. You're going to have to try and resolve them. The severity, frequency, and chaotic occurrence of them may surprise you. Anticipating this phenomenon helps to buffer the blow. So knowing, okay, great, I'm going through this right now. I'm pretty low or I'm feeling panicky. So I'm going to be receiving some sort of download of crap, physical crap. And I'm going to need to account for that. I'm going to need to try and figure that out. I'm going to need to take extra care of myself. Maybe I'm getting more sleep then. As a panic attack sufferer, I have learned to ride that wobbly horse, to hang on to the stringy mane when I think I'll be bucked off, even when it seems I'm going to die, literally die. I'll lay there and just chant in my head, I am okay. I will survive the nausea, the stomach churns, the tremors racking my body. And I always do because our bodies and minds are miracles. We have to be so accepting and stop fighting them so much all the time. So understand you're not predictable. You're going to fluctuate up and down. The five stages of grief are not a blueprint for what you can expect. You're going to ping pong all around in there. Well, I'm going to go into bargaining now. Oh, great. Now I'm back into anger. Now I'm grieving. Now I'm, you know, in depression, etc. So just understand you're not predictable. That's how you're wired as a human being, and that's okay. Four, reassure yourself the worst isn't going to happen. And this is hard to do because there's also a feeling of comfort that comes from catastrophizing. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's the quote-unquote drama that's created that enables us to receive sympathy and love. I don't know if it's that 
the anticip the anticipation of the other shoe dropping feels good to say, guess what? I was right. I knew that shoe was going to drop. I was right because maybe I was right feels like being in control. Likely the worst is not going to happen. Likely you are going to wake up again tomorrow. Unless you're defending yourself from a catastrophe of biblical or bodily proportions, try to ease up on the worst case scenarios. And yes, I am preaching to the choir, by the way, but I'm also attempting to regroove this catastrophizing. A lot of trauma sufferers go through this, They're grooming themselves to be prepared. There's a lot of hypervigilance that happens. PTSD, C PTSD, which is complex post traumatic stress disorder. PTSD, of course, being post traumatic stress disorder. Post traumatic stress disorder arising typically from one devastating incident. Complex post traumatic stress disorder arising from incidents that occur over and over and over and over again. Childhood trauma victims who endure abuse for years on end may have CPSD, for example. I have that from my childhood. And so this is why I have to work on the catastrophizing part of it. You will rise to see the sun in the morning. You will rise to see it color the sky. You will live to survive the changes in your life. You will conquer moving on from your ex, your job, your loss of mobility, your former friend. You will live to survive. Number five is trust. And it flies in the face of reason when our faith in ourself is shaken. When we've done everything to safeguard our future, our relationship, whatever dried up and blew away, it's very hard to trust in the future and to trust ourselves. It's monumentally hard. You want to do the exact opposite. Not to mention you lose faith in yourself to do anything right at all. You have a hard time making decisions. You think you read signs all wrong. And you might even question if you ever knew how to gauge people to begin with. We have to get control of this and we have to keep giving ourselves a chance. Okay, I screwed up. Okay, I get it. That didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Absolutely not. None of us are strangers to that. If we don't get a handle on it, we can turn compulsive about these issues, second guessing, simple decisions. It's a very natural and understandable defense mechanism. And it wells up for one reason, and that's to protect us. Be cautious. Don't do that. We hear our inner voice whispering, chastising our last choice. Oh, don't go there. Please. Breathe when you're in this way. Stop overthinking. Be in the moment. Release the need for immediate gratification and the instant knowledge of where you'll wind up. That's not how trust works. I wish it, I wish it was different. I got to say, I've had um, this week especially, I was like, you know what? I should go to a psychic because I just want them to say, this is what's going to happen. And obviously, I don't put that much blind faith into them, but it's more of based on where you are in this moment, at least I feel this way, 
you could wind up here if you keep going down this road. Obviously, if things change, then the trajectory of the path changes too. Remember the amount of planning and obsessing you invest in your day-to-day dealings might not even matter in the scope of the larger picture. So we get so bogged down in every day. Oh, I'm going to overthink this. Oh, I don't know about that. Five years down the road, does it play into the big picture? Have faith that a solution you haven't even considered yet may be imminent. When we have trust, we open up to possibilities. But if we don't have trust, we're shutting everything down and saying, oh, well, you know what? I'm not going there. I'm going to shut down the thought process. I'm going to shut down my mind. I'm going to shut down even receiving anything of any sort. So when you are at your lowest and have the lowest faith in yourself, that's when it's critical to trust yourself. Now, I'm going to make a quick detour and remind you of the business module course that's being offered through Sick Biz. We just finished it up. It's pretty cool. It's super simple. We like to make everything super simple. I like to double down on the information that you're getting. That's the focus. Basically, you sign up to receive info on how to make your business last, to identify what you should be working in if you're not already in it the measures you need to take to get up and running and be taken seriously, and what you don't need to worry about until later, not to mention a whole bunch of other stuff that's being talked about. I also teach you quick-ass sales strategies to get money in the door today. So if you want more info, just check out our SickBiz Facebook group, and you'll find the instructions on how to join the SickBiz module course. Super easy, lemon squeezy. I think it's going to be pretty valuable. It's everything that I use to build my business up. You can make a living wage. You can even make a luxury wage if that's what you want to do. Now let's resume with the second half of our list. Number six, treasure your faith. You need it as an intangible entity reaching down to pull you up. You need it as a ray of sunshine behind a door. You need it behind the light-limbed clouds. You can radiate toward it. That light, there's something bigger. If you didn't want to live, you wouldn't. But even the crabbiest among us choose to breathe and forge ahead. So you're having faith in a bigger picture. You're having faith in yourself. There's that trust thing again. Have faith in solutions. They're coming. Even when you have reduced, you've been reduced to shreds of who you used to be. Sometimes it's really helpful to think there's something bigger out there. It just reassures us when we're looking for that control. It helps me in any regard. I like to have the faith that as long as I stay on the path that I am supposed to be on, I'm going to be okay. And that's not just trust in myself, but that's faith in my path. That's faith that I will be taken care of. My family will be taken care of. And that has lifted me and that has saved me on many, many days. 
the days when I was confused, it took them five months to diagnose my transverse myelitis, and they're bouncing around phrases like spinal tumor. I had to have faith. I don't know what this path is, but I have to have faith that I can still walk it. As dark as it can be, I encourage you to have faith. You're going to keep going because you're supposed to keep going. Number seven, clear out toxic energy and believe in yourself. This is a frightening thing to do sometimes. Nobody wants to have a confrontation, especially if you get all jammed up emotionally about having a confrontation. It can kind of feel like you're having a heart attack. Toxic energy blocks you. Negative associations with people who manipulate, who are passive-aggressive with you until you're feeble and weak. Cage rattlers, the yeah-butters, the one-uppers, all of them need to go out. You're going to envision yourself in that new job, in that new relationship, holding hands with your dream lover as you skip through the puddles. (laughs) That's a visual, wearing rain boots, skipping through the puddles. Success is 90% informed by our attitudes and the rest is connecting the dots. What do we want? What's it going to be? Can I even begin to cultivate the appropriate energy that is needed to help me reach my goals if I have toxic energy around me? What's happening? Again, it's science, man. I'm not explaining it. It's just a, a, a law of the universe. If you've got toxic energy that's filling you up, you cannot have positivity coming in to find you, or it's got to come in like a laser. It's got to come in super, super hard. The likelihood of that happening is pretty low when you're so infused and saturated with toxic energy around you. Why are you holding on? Why are you holding on to people who seem to live? on the prospect of hurting you. I hate to tell you, but that's, that's not a good relationship. It's not a good interaction. That's not a good dynamic. It's certainly not conducive to helping you move forward. And yes, it has everything to do with your business's success. Toxic energy has everything to do with your personal success. If you're around toxic energy, you are absorbing that. You're taking it in. It's permeating into you. It's telling you who you are. Well, you're allowing this. You're allowing this in your life. And so guess what? That must mean on some level, you believe it. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe what other people are saying about you? The limits they want to put on you? how they want to put you in a, in a box. They don't want to let you out. I don't think you want that. If you were to cognitively be aware that that was a choice you could make, you wouldn't choose it. It's critical to cut out toxic energy. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It can be family. It can be friends. It can be work. It can even be your kids. Sometimes people make decisions that even if they're not trying to be toxic, they are toxic and they pull you back. 
sometimes people don't understand that they're hurting you, but it still hurts you and it still hurts your potential. It's akin to the fact that it's very difficult to succeed in one area of life if you're not succeeding in the other areas. And vice versa, if you're succeeding in other areas, but you've got toxic energy over here, it's going to be impossible to succeed in the way that you want to 100%. You are the guard. You're the protector. You're the defender of yourself. This is a very, very important job that you've agreed to do. Are you doing your job? You're not in charge of other people's decisions, emotions, behavior. You need to let that go. That is absolutely not on you. You're in charge of you, what you say and what you do. Own it and let the rest go, especially people who are hurting you even if they don't know that they're hurting you. Number eight, write it down. You've heard this before. Write down what you want. Send it out into the world. Watch how that faith in yourself is going to come rushing back when you discover how incredibly forceful you are. When I wanted a full-time job at a corporation with retirement and benefits, I wrote down my aims over and over in cursive. I typed it. I drew it in block letters. I put it on legal paper. I put it on blank, creamy, white paper. I drew it on the backs of all the envelopes. I wrote my goals down so my actions gravitated toward fulfillment. This is why people use a vision board as well, because when you see it, it's tangible in front of you. It's kind of like when you're driving a car and the car goes where your eyes go. Your goals are going to go where you are focused. So if you have tangible goals written down and you're paying attention to them and you're working towards them and you're applying everything that you're doing toward them, you are much more likely to succeed. This is what happened to me. I'm not kidding you. It's not some kind of voodoo. It's not black magic. I'm not in a coven. I didn't cast a spell. I saw my desired end result. I was forced to live as if I were getting there. And I did. So when I was finally confronted with the opportunity at the crossroads, I went where I was supposed to go. I went to the finish line. I met that goal. I said, yep, I've been preparing for you. I've been ingesting this this whole time. I've been eating. I've been sleeping it. I've been envisioning it. I didn't know what party would come into my life and help me fulfill that goal. I just knew the universe was going to supply the people and the opportunity that were needed. I just needed to continue believing. That was my job. I believe and I'm going to keep working toward it. If it was a situation where I wanted to triple my business, what did I have to do? I knew that I needed to show up in a number of different areas and I made sure that I did that. Okay, I did that. So then it makes logical sense that I would be moving forward. I was very determined, but I let the universe know, hey, I'm ready for receiving this. It makes a difference. 
Number nine, take baby steps, baby. When you have no idea how to go, where to go, what part of your mess to clean up first, you have to begin somewhere. Look at your life. Is it full of loose ends? Pick one. Doesn't even really matter which one it is. Just pick one. There's a school of thought that incremental movement, incremental progression is far easier to focus on than if you take a goal and say, well, I'm here right now and I need to make a 70% change in my life, in my income, in my relationship. I need to move to the positive 70%. That's really hard to do. But you know what you can do if you're trying to get healthier, for example? Start drinking one glass of water a day. That's it. Give up the soda for one glass of water. That's it. Do one thing. So you can pick one loose end, tie it up, make that phone call. You know the one I'm talking about. Oh, I should check in with that guy. Oh, I told him I'd follow up. Oh, I haven't called him. Why? Why haven't I done this? Well, I'm scared. I'm scared. So you're going to move yourself out of the emotion. Just, just set it aside for a minute. Doesn't mean you're not feeling it. Doesn't mean you're not feeling the fear. You're just compartmentalizing it for a minute. I'm just going to set it over here. So I'm going to take this action. I can always go back and grab that emotion. Manage your life. Make that doctor's appointment. You have that gym membership? Again, preaching to the choir. Use it. You like swimming? Why don't you start swimming one day a week? Achieving baby steps restores a greater inner faith that you can achieve bigger steps. This is how you build up confidence. It's a trick. If you're in a slump, rely on what you can do well. Okay, well, I can do this well. This is what people really seem to be responding to. I think I'm going to focus on this. Great. Did you close that deal? Yes, I did. Why? Because I know it inside and out. People see the value in it. It's very good. I wrote it. I developed it. So it was value forward. So great. I know I can sell that. I know I can move in that direction. Guess what else I can do? Now I can move in this direction because I can do anything because I just proved to myself that I could do something. Rounding out the list, we're almost done now. Number 10, remember there are no guarantees. So it's funny, I used to think I had a right to a perfect life, to a beautiful house, to good treatment by others. And my way of ensuring that ideal reality was just getting my poop in a scoop and waiting for the rewards to come pouring in. I figured out, all right, I've gotten my life straightened out right now. So everything else should fall into place. I finally have that job at the place I want to work in. I want to work at for years and years and years. I will establish that retirement account. I will establish the 401k, whatever the thing is. I will establish those things. I will live like a responsible person. I'm not going to be living paycheck to paycheck. I am going to be 
in that upper middle class. I want to be there. I want to raise my kids there. I want to have a good solid house that I'm proud of. So I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to finally stop screwing up my life. And I waited. I waited. Well, I did it though. I finally did it right. I went back to school. I got the job. I finally did it right. And it didn't work out that way. Realizing there are no guarantees helped sharpen my focus. I learned I wasn't being slighted or personally targeted because I contracted a disease, lost my job, and then my health insurance, which is an important detail when you have a disease. There's no guarantees. We are all merely humans cruising through life, hitting unseen hurdles just like everyone else. Our problems crop up like weeds. Weeds defying extermination. And we have to coexist with these weeds. We have to reroute around them and we have to walk on. It's scary to think that there are no guarantees. We want to know. I did this, 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 and this. Now I have control. The one beautiful thing that I found from being sick and losing nearly everything is that there's a beauty in free falling out of control. It's almost like being in control because you handed over your control to somebody else. So you're controlling the faith that you have in life, the faith that you have that you're going to be okay. I think we get really, really screwed up when we think there are guarantees. We, we mess up big time. This is when we get so angry, when what we perceive should be ours is taken away from us. We don't have a right to it, actually. Nobody does. My two friends from high school who died very young, still in their 40s. You know, absolutely surprising. No guarantees for their lives. I'm sure if they had known what was waiting, it would just be devastating. Whenever they receive the news that it wasn't going to work out for them, I'm sure it was devastating. It can be any one of us. When you know that it can be you, you make different decisions. You start to value the quality of your days. You start to shrink time a little bit and say, I just want to be here in the now where I'm doing the best that I can and I'm enjoying my life. And you take a little bit more chances. You take more risks. We're flying tomorrow to Houston. I got to tell you, I do not like flying and I am not good sleeping elsewhere. <laughs> so, so why do I keep doing this to myself? Because I know there's no guarantees. Just because I don't like doing something doesn't mean I want to be shut up in my house. So we have to take those risks so that at the end, so that when things get a little hairy, we don't say, well, shoot, I wish I'd done that. There's not one trip that I've taken where I've said, wow, you know what? I really wish I hadn't done that. Not one. Not one time that I stuck my neck out and said, wow, I wish I hadn't done that. Even if it didn't turn out the way that I wanted. And the reason is because 
I learned of my own power to take a chance. I learned of my own power to leverage everything we've been given in life. And that reinforces to me, you're right. I am freaking powerful. And so are you because we're not different. We're the same people right now in this room. Our last tip to regain faith in yourself or the action to take to regain faith in yourself is to reinvent yourself now. I regard these unknown moments as the blessing of a renaissance as I try to resolve the reason for the change. You've heard me say this before. What am I supposed to learn with this information? How am I supposed to use this information? The truth is the answer might be nothing. And that's okay too. You might go, wow, I just, I'm supposed to maybe learn that things happen and there's no reason. And I'm supposed to work on closure surrounding that. Wow, is that a hard thing to work on. It's incredible what we can conjure though. And I want you to think about that. It's incredible because you can conjure closure to anything. The reason that we don't seems to be we simply don't want to. The pain on one side is greater than the pain on the other, on the other side. So if I'm not creating closure, it's because it's less painful over here. It's rewarding me in some way. A lot of times closure for me, if I'm moving on from somebody, for example, I've done this multiple times in my life over the decades, is it's a way to stay connected to somebody that you care about, even if it hurts. Hurting means there are feelings there. But that doesn't mean that that's such a good decision also. So I ask myself, what am I supposed to learn? Why can't I let go? The answer might be nothing. I'm in charge of the closure. I'm in charge of the apology that I didn't get. There are some people in my life through the years where I'm like, wow, it would have been nice to get an apology. And you know what I've started doing, and I did this the other day, as I told somebody I was sorry for the way his parent had treated him. I said, I want this to be your apology that you never got. And you know, what if we started tapping into that for each other? You were an abused child. I am incredibly sorry that happened to you. I am so sorry that you never got the apology. That was not okay. It never should have happened to you. You were a sweet, perfect, innocent angel. So we have power in this. Back to reinventing. If you take advantage of the positives and your altered experience, it pays off. There are always positive. There's always a light in the dark. And that light is not always the train at the end of the tunnel either. The sweet nuggets that you learn the gifts that you're given. Getting sick for me, what did I learn? Well, I had thought that I was pretty forgettable. I had thought that I was tough to love. And 
when you feel like that, when you're quote unquote normal and don't really have any physical ailments, and then you get sick and you feel like that, you anticipate you're going to be alone. But then you learn the opposite. And you learn that people want to love you. They want to care for you. And you get to savor that. After all you've been through, you deserve it. You deserve the light in the dark. So, are you holding on to anger because your health was taken from you and you're furious at the lack of control? Are you holding on to sadness because you lost mobility and you're furious? Or you're sad and depressed. Outside of a clinical diagnosis of depression, we do have a choice in our mindsets. When I did not want to budge off the fact that this is not cool, (laughs) I stayed there. Oh, I stayed there for a long time. Not cool. Not sure what to do with it. Kind of embarrassed to go out. Really took for granted the health that I had. And I abused it. I abused it with an eating disorder. I abused it by stressing myself out. I abused it by overthinking things. Oh, I was not kind to me. And then I, then I lost that health and I thought, wow, I did not do that right. All of that doesn't matter because you can reinvent yourself now. You can take the new knowledge and information that you have and become anything that you want to become. You can tap into any mission that you want to tap into. You can become part of any movement or any message. And you still get the gift if you accept it. If you don't accept it, it's kind of like, well, I got sick and I went through the suffering and it's needless. It's needless. Find the gift. Find the reason. Maybe the reason is not handed to you. Here you go. Here's the reason you got sick. Oh, thank you so much. I'll have to open this envelope up to see what's inside. It's not like that. Maybe you can't find the reason because you don't want to find the reason. Maybe because you're too angry to see that you can unclench from being stubborn. I wanted life to be this way. Well, unclench from that. Life is this way. And what's good about it? That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this. I hope these tips for re-believing in yourself were super helpful and that they helped you move the needle on your own trust. I've needed them before. I like to come back and revisit these tips myself. I like to hold my own feet to the fire and say, you know what, if you're talking about this with other people, if you're blogging about it, if you're including it in the book, if you're doing it in the podcast, you better darn well be doing it for yourself. I want to be accountable in that way. And you can do whatever you want to do, even when it feels like everything in your life has changed and you would be more comfortable hiding. Man, I love hiding. I love ghosting. I love hiding. I remember. 
I was escorted uh, from a job I had in a public accounting firm. I had stood up against this just bully of an admin. She was like a team lead admin for the rest of the executive assistants, and I stood up to her. And that came back and bit me in the butt several months later. They did fire her. I made such a stink about it. I said, you know, you're letting this abusive person stay on and people are crying at their desks and they're not doing anything about it. So they fired her. And guess who got fired three months later? <laughs> I laugh about that now because I was pretty young and I was like, I am a crusader. I'm going to get this done. But you had no idea I left that building. I just glided right out of there, just like a mist. I dissipated. I love hiding, ghosting, pretending everything's okay. You can't do that anymore. That doesn't help you regain the faith in yourself. So I want to urge you to, if you need to, make sure that you listen to this episode as many times. No judgment. You need to listen to it 101 times. No judgment. Remember how powerful you are when you listen to it. Remember to take action. Remember how compartmentalizing your emotions frees up your ability to move forward. Remember how worthy you are and your tremendous purpose. Now, before I let class out for the day, I'll ask you the same ding-dang thing I always do. Can you please head over to wherever podcasts are available and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz? Reviews are the lifeblood of podcasts, and they help accomplish more of our mission to pay back to our very special community and that I just love so much, you guys. I just, I'm just wallowing in love over here. So I want to thank you in advance and give you a great big hug for doing that, for helping us stay on the air. And this, I got to tell you, selfishly, I freaking love doing this. I love talking to you every week and hoping that it helps. I love hearing what people say about how the podcast helps them. And I love, love, love getting emails. And I just received a wonderful email this week about how this podcast helped to engender hope in a person who had been involved in a car accident and she was still dealing with a very traumatic head injury. So I want you to share it, spread it around. Help me with this mission. Help me with this message. Keep being a part of the community that pays back. And do that in your own life. Let me know how I can help you. Always happy to help. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well. <laughs>